Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm Sean Duffy, along with my co-host for the podcast, my partner in life, and my wife, Rachel Campos Duffy. It's great to be back at the Christmas, not the Christmas, the Just kitchen table. table. <laughs> We're going to be talking. You know what? It's on my mind. I, I think it's on a lot of people's minds. Uh, we just got done with Thanksgiving. We're going to talk about Thanksgiving. We're also going to talk about, Sean, a story that I thought might have Okay, maybe it happened in Brooklyn. Maybe it happened in San Francisco, but it happened in good old Green Bay, Wisconsin. And that is, there's a Satan Christmas tree scandal, essentially a, a, a museum with a kid's event for Christmas, the Polar Express, putting up a Satan Christmas tree. Unbelievable story. We're going to get to that uh, because we're going to break down what happened. And, and I think what parents need to do, because this, if this, if this isn't Green Bay, it's everywhere. It's coming to your town. Yeah, I thought it was the Babylon Bee. And we're going to talk about how you could put Satan and Christmas tree together. But first, let's talk about our own Thanksgiving. It's interesting at our age and the number of Thanksgivings that you and I have done together, how we continue to learn. There's no perfection of Thanksgiving or Christmas. You keep learning and perfecting. And I thought this was probably one of our best, but also different. We did some different things this Thanksgiving but one of the best, most fun Thanksgivings that we've had. Well, I think that's one of the beauties of getting old. There's, there's not a lot of great things that happen as you get old, but one of the things that happens when you put on, you know, 25 Thanksgivings is that you you learn the hacks and you learn how to simplify and what worked and what doesn't and what to eliminate and what nobody likes to eat and how to make this better and easier and, and also how to prepare for it so that it's not as stressful and you can actually enjoy. And so that's some, I think we're starting to see the fruits of that. I think we really experienced that. One of the hacks, of course, is, you know, you want to prep as much as, as you can. And by the way, this applies obviously for Christmas as well. You want to prep as much as you can before the day so that that day you're not running around like a chicken with your head cut off and, 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 and things are sort of smooth and in place. So you want to make sure your house is clean ahead of time. You want to prep as much of the food as you can. And you want to think about dishes that can be made ahead. So our kids love macaroni and cheese, homemade mac and cheese on Thanksgiving. And so, you know, we make that ahead of time. And and by the way, as the girls have gotten older, I'm also able to delegate. You're in charge of this dish. Here's the recipe for that. You're in charge of this dish. You're in tra- here, here's the recipe for that. I found a place. I know you thought it was too expensive, Sean, but the pie place at the farm that does the pies does the pies better than me. And so this year I just said, I'm... I, their pies were just better than mine. So I'm just going to take that off my plate. And I know you didn't like the price of the pies, but we did it. The other thing, I think it's a major hack that you can do is set the table or the day before. Yeah. Um, because then that day you're not stressing when you're, when you're trying to get everything ready and the turkey and this and is time everything right. Just not having to worry about the table and forgetting, you know, the, serving utensils or the salt and the pepper, all that's done ahead of time. And so 
It's just there waiting for whenever the food is ready. So, That's a great, great mom hack. So first off, I, I'm all in on buying pies from somewhere because the pies take so much time. And, well, we've done them homemade and I you've know. made homemade crust for me before. I mean, but it's, but of it's all the of stuff work. you're doing uh, to go buy pies, I think that makes the most sense, especially if you have a good place to go get pies from. Oh, but place I, does such a good but I will say, listen, I, I, they, they were not extra big pies. They were just the normal sized pies. And I got the bill and I'm like, are these special pies? Uh, I thought they, I thought they were. Special. I thought they were really expensive, and there's a lot of places that sell them now. You can you can you can buy them. And- Here's the difference: <laughs> the places that sell them cheaper. Um, I don't love the ingredients that I don't even know some of the ingredients that go into it. So I'm kind of we thinking about that. And the ones they spent the, all the money. But, from. The, but, so, but, but the funny thing is, everyone's favorite pie is Evita's French silk pie. And so, so she does the one pie. That's it. That's all she makes for pies. And, and we buy the rest of them. And we also, them. Um, Rachel made the stuffing for the turkey or had all the ingredients done for the stuffing and then mixed it before we put it in the bird. Mm-hmm. Um, but so that, that went well. And that was so a that, big debate too. Stuffing in the bird or out the bird, because if you deep fry it or smoke your turkey, you can't get the stuffing in the bird. And we debated. It. A lot about this because I do love a fried bird, but Sean loves the stuffing with the drippings That's that right. comes from stuffing the bird. So we had a debate slash fight. We talked about that and we'll tell you how we resolve this. So I wanted to put my... Beautifully resolved. This is our new way of doing the turkey. It is. So we, uh, I wanted to put the turkey in a bag and in the oven. So the bag, which is like a 1970s hack, I guess, will keep all the moisture in the turkey and then all the drippings come into the stuffing and then... In the last 20, 25 minutes, you take the bag off and, and you brown the skin. However, the girls in the family said no bag. We were afraid that that plastic no. would leach into our no. turkey. That's not what it happened. Just seemed, we just were like, no way. That's not what happened. Rachel said, I can't put a bag on it because the plastic will leach onto the bird. And then she got all the girls involved to then say we can't do a bag. <laughs> You think I lobbied the girls. The girls are super healthy and they were like, no, we don't want the bag. So I went online. So at Fox, someone told me that you can actually use parchment paper. So you can wrap your turkey in a parchment paper, staple it, and then do the same thing. We told you that. That's a great hack. Someone in hair and makeup. And so so, I guess there's paper bags that you can buy, but we did parchment paper. We wrapped all and stapled it together. So we created our own bag. This was the best thing. We buttered it. Yeah, wrapped it in the, the oh my. so when this I cut the when I when turkey. I cut the turkey, it water shot out of it. Yeah, that's the juice. That's how juicy juice. it was, and it browned beautifully because uh, the parchment paper is thin, and so and we took the parchment, parchment uh, paper ha- off, right? And then, and then at half or was it like an hour before, or forty five minutes before? Maybe forty five minutes. But it was still bag. kind of browning through the paper. I was surprised by that, but yeah, I got that super golden. But here was the problem. So in the morning, we had um, I had made. Uh, actually, I shouldn't say I did. Or my daughter, Lucia, made homemade buttermilk pancake mix the night before so that it would be easy to make pancakes in the morning. By the way, she got the buttermilk from the butter that I made in our kitchen. Yeah. yeah so that was yeah. homemade. That No, that's awesome. It was a homemade uh, buttermilk pancakes. And so, but but by the time, I mean, you know, you're always running a little behind. So the kids were starving and the little kids were starting to get hangry, hungry and angry. At the same time, they were like, we just want to eat. And so I just was like, you know what? In our old age, we've gotten what? Meek, soft. Soft, yes. I just said, you know what? The turkey has another 45 minutes to go. Everyone's starving. Come into the kitchen and we all ate pie right, before first. Dinner. Before, pie before dinner. Before dinner. Um, by the way, 35-year-old Rachel would have never had pie before dinner, but 
I would have um, been like so stressed and be like, no, we have to do it the right way. But 52 but year old Rachel was like, happy. So, Everyone got pie when they were starving and it tasted so good. So we sat down, we had pie. Then we finished up the, the meal, sat down and ate. And then instead of doing the dishes, we actually all went in. Did we watch a movie? All yeah, we, we, we watched White Christmas. Watch White Christmas. Which is one of our favorite holiday movies. And then the little ones started to doze off at the end of the movie. And the rest of us, older ones, went into the kitchen and we cranked music. And we rocked out. We rocked the out um, and cleaned the kitchen. And I have to tell you, that might have been the best part of the, the day for me. And the, of the I, night for I, me. And I just think the key is one person, two people can't do it all. You need, and especially if you have and, older kids, you need all the kids to participate and help with the cleanup. You don't um, want moms to be resentful. And exhausted. And yeah, exhausted yeah. and not want to have to do um, or dread it every year. So you, you got everyone together. You cranked the music. We all, I mean, Valentina was up. She was the only yeah, little she, one that she's a dancer. remained up. She was dancing and having a good time at the, at the counter while the rest of us were dancing and cleaning it. It, it was awesome. It was, yeah. So we had, a, we had a really good Thanksgiving. We hope all of you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. It's a great time for for family and for friends. And I know that doesn't always happen for everybody. I, I've heard a couple of stories of people who didn't have the best Thanksgivings. I think it's always important to try to think ahead and plan ahead and make sure you can spend it with some special people in your life. I just, I think a lot of families who know someone who, who, who doesn't have a place to go, a lot of, they open their homes up, you know, it's just in saying, Hey, come on over. We always and, growing up, whether it was Thanksgiving or Christmas, Sean, join us. We always had an air because we were a military family and we lived on the base always had a stranger at our table. It was, at least to us kids, it was kind of a stranger. It, it would usually be an airman that my dad knew who was away from home and lonely. And he would always invite them over. So we always had an airman at our table who probably thought we were insane. Um, but, you know, we, uh, we, that was, that, so it was sort of a family tradition and, of ours. And it doesn't happen every year, but we always open our house up to say, listen, if you want to come on over, we'd love to have you come. And I would hope that other people do that as well. You know, if you, if you see that person, because it's hard to be home alone on Thanksgiving or on, on Christmas. So um, if you know someone, welcome them in. It's always a, it's a really nice thing to do. And it's, they're another helping hand. Yeah. And um, it's a good heartfelt gesture. But also, you know, I just my message to all the moms and dads out there that are putting these, these meals, these special occasions together. They're worth it. Every year will get better and easier. You'll learn those hacks so that you can actually enjoy your family and not get caught up in all, too many of the details. But the older I get, the better. Well, maybe it's better too because we have older kids. So it is. There's kids more kids to help. to help. There's more kids yeah. to help. But there's also, From I just feel more like, organized and relaxed true. about it. Again, that flexibility to go, you know what? Turkey's not ready. People are hungry. Um, you know, maybe you have an hors d'oeuvre tray and everyone can do that, but we didn't have that at that moment. And it was just easier pie. to put out pie and go, you know what? We all love pie. Let's just have it now. Um, we had some after as well, but I think that kind of flexibility and, and also just remembering and write those things down, the dishes that everyone liked the best, but what didn't go over so well, keep a little notebook, write it down, have your little folder. So as we print off our recipes, I find that, and I didn't know Rachel does this, but she'll, she'll pull out her. I don't know if it's a recipe book or it's a, book. a little like, folder. It's like my little Thanksgiving folder. She'll pull the recipes that she actually likes. So she'll, if we print them off and it worked, worked out well, she'll Keep all of it. a sudden find them, tuck them away. And next year she'll bring them back out again. Um, so you're not researching. Um, but get as much find. prep so that you yeah. can enjoy. Cause so many times moms are, are so exhausted. They can't enjoy. And then the most important thing, Sean, you do not go through that much trouble. Put a feast on for your family. 
to have everybody rush through dinner. So we just linger as long as you can at the dinner table. There was a problem, at least it was a problem I saw. So we had pie first, then we finished off the meal, and we sat down and ate. Uh, We had a little bit of wine, and I ate so much. Um, You got tired. I got tired, but then I I started to get indigestion. I don't get indigestion, but I started to... (laughs) I almost felt sickly. I ate so much, which normally I don't do, but I ate way too much um, and was feeling the effects of it. Yeah. But listen, everything was, was, was really good. And so it was a wonderful, uh, there was a time to from beginning much. to end. It just was amazing. We'll have more of this conversation after this. We're moving into the holiday, into the Christmas holidays. And a lot of people are thinking about Christmas and what they, and what they're going to do. And, and yeah. again, a lot of joy and happiness around Christmas, also a lot of stress and a lot of financial worries. There, there is. And so, especially under this Biden economy. So now we, we, we have the numbers from, you know, Black Friday through Cyber uh, Monday. And what's interesting is Americans spent 5% more this Christmas than last Christmas. Why do you think? Um, I, I, why, listen, I, I'm going to come to, I'm going to come back to why I think it's happening. It was a head scratcher for me because I'm like, I know the economy is not as great. Mm -hmm. Um, People are nervous about what's happening, but they're spending more money. And here's the kicker is that a lot of Americans are spending on their credit cards. It's not out of their savings account. They're spending on credit. And a stunning fact came out that Americans that are spending this holiday season, 25% of them are still paying off things they bought last Christmas season. 25%. 25%. Um, and so, I, you know, I think that we've come in, you asked me why, why is this happening? Uh, we had John Carney on the bottom line yesterday and he talked about this. Who said, is he? Uh, he's the Breitbart economist. Uh, yeah, I know him, John yes. Carney, he's, he's fantastic. Great. And he said, and I, I asked him this question, he said, listen, I think because, un- though people don't feel really great about the economy, unemployment is really low. They don't feel like they're going to lose their jobs. And they're used to spending money with lower interest rates, even on credit cards that, you know, you were getting, you know, still really high, but 11, 12, 13% on the credit card. Well, with rates rising, that spiked up, you know, well into the 20%. And so because they feel stable in their job, they feel okay spending on their credit cards. Um, and when these rates rise, it, I mean, and we saw this when we were younger as well, all of a sudden paying, paying off a credit card eats up your disposable cash and all your money's going to debt and there's nothing left over. And it becomes almost your own death loop of, of debt. And it, it makes you, I, this is what we thought of. And we, listen, we've gone through a, a lot of iterations on, on Christmas and what we do for Christmas and presents and spending. But again, I think trying to stick within your means is really important. And I do believe there's been this philosophy with what's happened with our government. Our government is $33.5 trillion in debt. We spend, you know, $500 billion, like, you know, we're, we're, we're batting an eye at it. Uh, Joe Biden's trying to let people um, get out of their their student loan debt. So debt and repayment, um, there's I think there's been a societal shift in the way people think about it coming from the very top. And going back to maybe the way our parents and grandparents thought about debt is going to be really important as, again, the economy, I think, is going to falter. Rates are going to continue to rise. Um, by the way, a lot of Americans in this study also think that inflation isn't over. It's going to continue to burn through the economy. I believe that. So it's important to go, hey, I should, I should prepare and I should live within my means. But then that begs the question, well, Christmas is coming. A, a lot of money is spent on food, um, on gifts, on things like that. And so what is the answer? How do people balance that out, Rachel, in thinking through how they spend their money and, and w- what's the priority? 
Yeah, you know, it's been it's been interesting. It's the worst that I think our country is, you know, the chaos in our country and the world, sort of like feeling this feeling that we all have, this uneasiness. Um, and and it's not just about the economy, it's just like the truth about our government, how we are so afraid of our own government and, and don't really trust it anymore, don't trust the institutions. Just this bad feeling. And the more that I have that sense, I mean, by the way, if you haven't listen to our podcast from earlier in the week, you should, it kind of explains that uneasiness. It was about control oligarchs, you know, sort of the globalist plans that are being set into motion to control us and this one world government. I mean, and you should really listen to that podcast because it really goes into that. And that sort of stuff permeates, you know, that sense that we all have. And, and it, sometimes it's really hard to pinpoint what it is, but it's just a feeling. It's like the way a dog has a feeling that something's not right, that intuition. We all know something's not right. But it's, it's foreign wars. It's all the, the the tension on American streets and campuses about those wars, this divide. And I the can border. all the coming out, the, the border, the crime, all these the rise things of are, China. are coming together to go, this doesn't feel something right. Something doesn't feel and if it, right. And if it doesn't feel right, now you have some time to plan for it, to prepare for it. Well, what, what, actually, it's going to go in a different direction. Go. The more that I have that intuition, that sense that something's not right. I think about, we talk about wanting to get a farm. Oh, like, you. you know, we talk about how do we simplify our lives and become more self-reliant as a tribe, as a family, um, so that we can, you know, mitigate what I think are some bad things on the horizon. But also, I, I think more about God. I think more about my faith and my family and about what really matters. What I always say is the things that last, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that plays into this conversation as we move from Thanksgiving into Christmas, these really bad financial numbers for our government, the inflation, but also these really terrible ledgers that so many American families are having, you know, 25% of them still paying off the debt from last year. So yeah. what should you do this year? And I think it's about simplifying. And really, I know you people always talk about, oh, the Christmas is so commercialized. It is. And oftentimes... We all complain about it, but we participate in it. Yeah. And it's like, really, I mean, of course, we want to think about that perfect gift for our, our loved one because we want to make that gesture that we thought about. Who is that person? Especially important when you have nine kids, you know, that idea they're not, I'm not going to get one gift for all of them the same. You know, it's like they're all different and they all have a different interest and, and, and likes and dislikes. And so you want to have that attention to detail. But it doesn't have to be quantity. And oftentimes, I bet, kids don't remember what they got for Christmas. It's more that one thing that showed a lot of thought into it. I just think simplifying this Christmas, making it more about the experience and about giving people the gift of your time versus, you know, um, you know, I was actually really depressed when I heard the numbers about how yeah. I, I'm, I haven't bought anything for um on on the post Thanksgiving sales Which or Cyber like, Monday, I wanted to, but you know what? I ended up spending time with my family. I have no regrets about it, and I do think I'm going to try and simplify. And I think that's what so many of us and really getting into the meaning of Christmas. You know, it's really a, about uh, you know a little later in the show we're going to talk about the Satan Christmas tree. Uh, this is where our culture has come to, and if you're not the one bringing the true meaning of Christmas, you know, the birth of of Jesus the word into flesh, into your own home. If you're not the one 
creating or continuing the Advent traditions of our families, our forefathers, going into the Christmas season. If you're not doing that, I mean, you're really seeding so much. And in the end, you end up consumed by the consumerism because what's left? So uh, a couple of things on this. So, and again, this might be a different experience for us than everybody else, but because we have nine kids, then there's, there's birthdays and there's Christmases and it's going on for 24 years for us. And you accumulate a lot of shit, right? True. And toys. <laughs> and it's like, and stuff that pe- kids don't even play with anymore. And Rachel cleans toys out all the time. And so I think you made a really interesting point. For kids to come downstairs and see a whole bunch of presents under a Christmas tree, that's really exciting. That's They, they love that. There's something about that. Oh my God, the story of St. Nicholas and Santa Claus is a beautiful story and the whole thing the whole magic of it, you, no one is at all suggesting you not do that. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm saying the quantity. Yeah. Like a big Christmas tree full of gifts. And to do that, oftentimes, there's a lot of things that you're buying stuff that they may not really want. They might, sometimes, like we've noticed, sometimes they don't even play with some of their the gifts they've received on Christmas, right? So- Sean, do you remember that Christmas where um, they opened all the gifts and then we, you know, that feeling you, after all the gifts are opened, and then you and I are just sitting on the couch, enjoying our cup of coffee and sort of basking in the post-Christmas thing. And we look over into the other room because we had these French doors so we could see through yeah. the glass. And there was our, at the time, I think he was probably four, four-year-old Patrick. And he had a plastic fork in his hand. And he was like, it was like, it was, it was a sword. And I thought, he just opened all these presents. And he was totally content and just, uh, as Brian Kilmey would say, within himself, <laughs> um, fighting with the plastic fork. I mean, we overestimate what they want, what they need. And we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. And to those families that are out there that are struggling this Christmas, just give yourself the gift of not allowing yourself to feel that pressure, to go there, to, to just realize that we all need a lot less than we think we do. I think there's a perception that if there are a, a lot of gifts, um, there is some excitement in that moment opening them. Mm-hmm. But the pain that you're going to feel uh, for the next months, or as we've just said, 25% of Americans are still feeling the pain from last Christmas, for that you know half an hour of joy of opening a, a few presents, it's not worth it. Less gifts, but more meaning Full into gifts. the gifts. That's right. More meaningful, uh, more, uh, meaningful I, I gifts, more thoughtful gifts, some, you know, gifts that they're going to want to use and play with or have use for well after Christmas morning. And again, that takes more time. And I also think you have to set your kids up expectation-wise, you know, that, that's, that Santa Claus is thinking, thinking about Christmas a little differently this year and looking at some, you know, the special things, not, not, not quantity, but, qual- but kind of some quality gifts. Because you know, again, you want to have the, the kids set up for kind of what's coming for Christmas. But I, I do believe so often, we, you said it well, we buy into the consumerism that we so complain about. And it's that consumerism that sucks us in to get stuff that they're not going to use. It fits in the closet after, you know, Christmas morning. So yeah, I'll give you, a, I'll give you a solid example, two solid examples. So one, one was, I gave you the fork example, but I'll give you a couple more examples. Um, Santa knew that we had a child who was really loved to play animal hospital and would always put her little puppies around, her little stuffed animals, and she would play animal hospital and get her siblings involved in animal hospital. And they'd go up to my 
bathroom and find the old bandages and and wrap up their legs and all that. Animal and so, <laughs> it, yeah, they love to play animal. And so I, I noticed about that. Animal Hospital. Remember Animal Hospital? Yes. And so what Santa did that year was Santa found a $3 box at Michael's and um, turned it into like a, a, a doctor's medical box, bought a little, you know, stethoscope and some bandages and, and band-aids and put all of this together into the box. And, you know, you just said how I, I, I get rid of toys that they're not playing with or, or I'll get rid of them. I try and give them away as much as I can. Guess what's still in that toy closet? The animal box. Pro- Santa probably spent $10 on that. If that. Um, and it's one of those gifts that's still there, that's still being used. It's now getting passed off onto um, Valentina, that, that was one of them. The other one was, there were some vintage old, older versions of toys. I'm not talking about old toys. I'm just saying toys from our past that you can find at places like Michael's. So do you remember the stretchy man? Yeah. Love. You had one as a kid. No, I wanted one. My parents didn't get it for me. Well, your son got a stretchy one. He stretched it so much it, it broke. And, and so, so Santa's gotten stretchy man like a couple of times. It's not very expensive. I mean, I think it's like under $5 and it's very enjoyable if you're a four, five, six, seven year old boy. Um, you know, Jack is still a fun game to play. I mean, there are things that you can do to just put more thought into what you're give, giving and getting. And it, it just this idea that you have to buy expensive electronics or iPhones and all this stuff. This is this is our culture injecting this into the holidays. It's not really. But, it's, but, but if, if if someone wants a, a really expensive or more expensive um, electronic or scooter, whatever those things are, that's their gift. They don't need 10 gifts on top of it. Right. Or if maybe you, just smaller little things. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's. That's kind of our thought is, again, we think about our, our economics. We think about, um, you know, where the country's going and making sure we're being good stewards of our money. But also then to, to you, this is the first point you made. What are we doing, uh, during the Christmas season? We're, we're celebrating the birth of Christ. And we as parents, it's our job to make sure our kids understand why are we all getting together? Why is there a Christmas tree? Why are there presents under the tree? What, what is the purpose behind all of this? Uh, which I think matters. And if you look at kids, they do care about their families together and they do care about the that's food and want. the energy that and the feeling. excitement. And that's, that makes them love Christmas so as much or more than, you know, Christmas morning. I think so. One of the things that you could do right now to create that anticipation uh-huh. about Christmas that, and, and it doesn't cost much at all. First of all, the feeling of anticipating the, embracing the Advent season, the four weeks. Leading up to Advent starts next Sunday. The weeks leading up to Christmas, really embrace that. So in our family, you know, I've already ordered, again, not expensive, $6 Advent chocolate calendars. Already ordered. They're on their way this week. So, you know, you can get, you can, you open can. Open the little door. Open the little door and get their chocolate. And that yeah. creates that anticipation. Little kids love it. By the way, had two sent to the older two kids. Um, oh, the three kids. I'm sorry, three of them. Uh, Jack, Abita, and you Lucia. Did. Yes, I did. Um, so th- those, because they, they remember getting those calendars them. and they love it. So that's one thing you could do. Get the Advent candles out um, and ready for the Sunday. And every night, you know, what we do at prayer time is we play 
O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. We turn down the lights, we light the candle, and we sing O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And again, it's every night. What we, version? What version? He the, loves the Enya version. Enya version. He let, sometimes I put in the Gregorian chant version, but usually he shoots me down. But that is that is you know part of the part of the tradition leading up, and then for us Catholics, we also have um, the feast of Saint Nicholas, I believe, on the sixth of December, and so they put their little shoes by the altar and get a little chocolate and a, a few little things, sort of just a taste of just before Christmas um, from that. But you know, other faith faith traditions that you have in your own. Uh, particular denomination, but embrace Advent and the anticipation leading up to it. It doesn't cost much um, to do that. If anything, um, what your kids want is that feeling yeah. um, and those traditions being passed on. They don't need an Xbox. They don't need an iPhone. Um, that's not what Christmas is about. So don't allow yourself to fall into that and, and maybe give the gift of financial sanity to for your yourself. family, for yourself, yeah. uh, because that adds a lot of stress to your Christmas. So, so there's that. We'll have more of this conversation after this. We're speaking about Christmas. Can yes. we go on to our next story? Yeah, it, it makes me sad to leave this beautiful thought, these beautiful Christmas thoughts yeah. to go into Satan Christmas trees. But yeah, so you I, lay in that I, up. I didn't, I didn't know this story. I hosted Sunday Morning Futures uh, last Sunday and and Mike Gallagher, who was on the show, Texting me the story. Congressman had, from Green Bay. Yeah, thank you. Congressman from Green Bay. He also a friend of ours. runs the, uh, the, the, the China Select panel. He's doing a great job. We have a podcast with him, by the way. If you haven't checked that out and go back, I think it was from last week um, or the great week before. Podcast, yeah. Great podcast. He's raising the flag on everything really, going on really, in China. Really smart. But, and we we're going to talk about China on the show. And he's like, hey, listen, I want to talk about this. I can't believe this is going on in Green Wisconsin. And so... Uh, here's a story. The National Railroad Museum. It's a it's a private museum. Uh, it gets donations. It's a 501c3, so they take uh, donations. It's a it's a nonprofit, and every Christmas, the National Railroad Museum um, brings in you know different people to put up their Christmas trees and different decorations, and, and it's a celebration of the season, which is it's a beautiful thing that they all do um, in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Well, this year. So they get, they 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 watch the Polar Express and they... so yeah so kids so kids and families come in they see all the different Christmas trees, um, all the different the, the uh, trains because it's a train museum, Polar Express. They the Christmas play, I think movie. they play the movie and yep. all the kids come in maybe in their PJs. Who knows? And and so it's a really exciting thing in Green Bay. Small t- listen, Green Bay, great football team or usually a great football team. Maybe not this year, but it's a small town. It's it's one hundred and twenty thousand people. And this year, though, they brought in a satanic Christmas tree. Christmas is our holiday. We're celebrating the birth of Christ, um, who actually conquered Satan. Why on earth would they allow a satanic Christmas tree? Which I those those words don't even go together. You can't have a Christmas tree that's satanic. So was there? Was there? Let me let me ask a question. Was there a satanic group? or some sort of anti-Christian group in Green Bay who said, hey, if you're going to have this event, we need our tree there too. Was that it? No, because if you're a government entity, they may be able to make that argument. Say you're using public government funds, you have to allow, allow everybody. Uh, that's right. It's a 501c3. It's a... Uh, so, it's they, a it's so you're saying that the manager of the museum just said, they don't have this to. is a great idea. Yep. Let's have a satanic tree and a Christmas tree. Absolutely. And so what? this, this, this is worse than I thought. The satanic Christmas tree had obviously red 
lights on it um, and ornaments saying, Hail Satan. Um, Mike Gallagher on the show said uh, that the display was akin to waving a Hamas flag inside a synagogue. What, so, what frustrates me is um, that there's nothing is sacred anymore, especially with Christians, um, that you go, listen, you can go have your Satan day. Do your Satan thing. I, I, I'm opposed to it, but go do it. Why do you have to bring Satan into our celebration of the birth of Christ? What is the, what, again, to undermine us, to have little kids and families go see Christmas trees and all of a sudden be whapped upside the head with a Satan tree? What is the purpose behind organizations allowing this in? And again, I think you need bolder leaders. And by the way, it's important to go, who serves on the boards? Right. Right. Yeah. And sometimes That's how conser- liberals think, conservatives are like, ah, you know, I, I, I coach baseball and I, you know, I work all, all, all day long and maybe I, you know, we, we do some hockey and liberals actually get on these boards. And yeah. this is how you get things like this to happen. We all as a community and as a, as a, Who as a group, are those board members? we have to think through, hey, listen, serving on these boards truly matters. Um, when was the event? It does. It's through the, it's, it's through the Christmas season. So, it, okay, I see what you're saying. I thought it was like for a a viewing of the Polar Express that day, they are leaving the tree up throughout the Christmas season. Throughout the Christmas season. I would right. love to know, uh, great question, who's on that board? What kind of pressure are they now getting from the community now that this has gone national? Two, I would like to know, what were their numbers of visitors last year Versus what were, will their numbers of visitors be at the end of this Christmas season? So I, I, I don't know the answers to those questions. Yeah, I mean, that, but, we don't know yet. But I will tell you that um, this was s- somewhat flying under the radar. And as Congressman Gallagher said, some of the uh, reporting in their local liberal newspaper, as most of them are liberal, was uh, very um, accommodating. Mild. To the, to the uh, satanic Christmas tree. And it, it, wasn't, it wasn't like outrage with the newspaper, which, by the way, it should. And just as background... Green Bay, Wisconsin, uh, is a very Catholic community. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of churches. You drive through Green Bay on Sunday. Even when there's a Packer game in Lambeau Field, churches are full. People go to church on Sunday. They wear their Green Bay Packer sweatshirts to church. To church. That was right. one of the most shocking things. <laughs> when I moved to Wisconsin, I went. I remember I was like, why is everybody wearing a Green Bay Packers sweatshirt uh, at Mass? Um, and but but that's it. They'll go to Mass, but it's 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 Mass Day, and it's also football. Packer Day. It's, it's, it's Packer Day. Packer Day. And so, um, yeah, you're right. It is a very Christian. Uh, we, we know lots of Catholics in the Green Bay area. Um, it's very Catholic. And here, th- this museum. How are they putting up with this? This museum runs on contributions. It runs on donations. Um, and so, I think you are going to see is the community, many of them who have supported this, this museum, but they're the old trains and it's, it's cool. It's a cool, it's a cool museum, right? I mean, trains are in, the kids love trains, kids love trains, right? And it's a, it's a museum of the history of trains, which is really awesome. I think you see people go, you know what? I used to give, I would go to their fundraiser. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to give to a group that's going to celebrate uh, Satan, especially on this revered holiday for Christians. I think the lesson in all of this is that, as you said, nothing is sacred and that it is open season on Christians. I think Jews are feeling that too, but I think the, the open season on, on, on Christmas has been going on for a long time. This is sort of like peak, right? A satanic Christmas tree at a museum for kids during the Christmas season. Um, it's just, it's outrageous. But I think as Christians, we need to 
one, as you said, you know, push back on these kinds of things. Make sure that we are doing everything we can to expose it and to, to sorry to use the left words, to defund um, these kinds of, of places. Um, I, I literally don't like even going to stores that say, you know, that, that refuse to say Merry Christmas to me or say Happy Holidays or Happy Winter or whatever. I mean, I'm like, you know what? If you don't want to acknowledge the holiday that I'm shopping for, I'm just not going to shop with you. Uh, that's sort of how I feel about it. But especially when it comes to the, the, I mean, believe it or not, and if you don't know, the Christmas tree has a religious meaning uh, behind it and it has religious significance to Christians. It is not a holiday tree. It's a Christmas tree. And that there's a reason why they wanted to appropriate that for, for the satanic thing to tear down our traditions, to tear down things that are, that are valuable and meaningful to us as Christians. Um, and again, you know, Sean, you always talk about it's really hard to take on all of what's going on. Um, this breakdown in the, in the, in the society and our culture, um, the secularization and now satanization of our culture. But the most important thing is that you're keeping it, those, your traditions alive, your faith alive in your own home. True. But also you have a lot of power in your own community, community and you should fight like hell. This happens Amen in your town. That. You fight because it's hard to deal with Joe Biden nationally. Um, or it's hard to deal in your state, but in your community, um, your you organize and you go, you go after them. I, you know, the, what, and just one thing that disappoints me. And I, again, I was told by way of his book that Jesse Waters saved Christmas. And I'm realizing that Jesse, I want my money back because you didn't save Christmas. We got Satan trees in Green Bay, Wisconsin. You, you have There's a lot of work to be done. You have work to do, Jesse. <laughs> it's true. It, when you, I mean, again, what was shocking to me was where it, it, it was as much about what was happening as to where it was it happening. It wasn't San Francisco. It wasn't New York. It's Green Bay, Wisconsin. It's, it's Green Bay, Wisconsin. But yeah, I, I do think that. You no know more, Rachel, too. The, I, I look at um, all the things, whether it's trying to transition little kids, you know, genitally mutilate. Like, just, I'm, I'm not going to, but you can walk through the things that you hear about in the news and no wonder they're celebrating Satan. No wonder yeah. they have a, a Satan Christmas tree. Yeah, I mean, the, the other part of it, Sean, is, you know, the, the innocence of children, the beauty of Christmas, the magic of Christmas. It's like adults, again, infringing on the childhood and the rights of children right. to just, you know, be children, to have their innocence, to have that protected by a culture and a society. And then as Christians, to have this happen to us, um, you're right, we haven't fought back enough to protect our rights as Christians, to protect our, our traditions. Um, and, you know, we're going to have a friend of ours on, um, Christy Stetsman in, in the next couple of weeks before Christmas. We're going to have her on the podcast. She wrote a book, um, and this is kind of a deep tease here. She wrote a book deep, called Deep Tease, Deep, Deep Tease, The Spiritual Cost of Political Silence. The Spiritual Cost of Political Silence. And I think as Christians, I really want to have wrong because I think this is so important. You know, a lot of times people think that in their silence, they're being polite. In their silence, they're being respectful. But frankly, if we're really honest, a lot of times that silence is cowardice. They, they think compliant. they're being virtuous, but it's really about cowardice um, and about not wanting to be that one person who speaks up. Because a lot of times when you speak up, there's not a cavalry behind you ready to join you in speaking up. Sometimes you speak up and you're alone. I remember that, Sean, when we had, uh, what, what, who was the, what was the name of the officer 
who spoke up w- uh, when when Af- when the, the the soldiers died in Afghanistan. Scheller. Scheller. Lieutenant was it Lieutenant Scheller? I believe so. I think that was his name. Um, we had him on Fox and Friends, and I asked him what surprised him most about his firing. Uh, because he was fired for speaking up and calling out just all the bad things that happened in the the, the drawdown in Afghanistan, the 13 heroes that died, the new gold fam- star families that were created because of the bad decisions of the generals and Joe Biden. And I said, so what surprised you the most? And he said, I thought when I spoke up that others, others were going to join me yeah. and nobody was there. I, I spoke out alone. And of course, he ended up getting fired for it. Um, and that is one of the risks you take. But there is a spiritual cost to yourself when you give in to that, um, to that cowardice. We have to all speak up. And if we all speak up, we can take back this country from this very bad path that we're on. But of course, the most important thing we can do is to, and, is to, is to keep our families true and faithful. And it does beg the time. question. I mean, if you look at the faiths of the world, oftentimes we're called to be better people, more giving people, more polite people, better citizens. And, you, you look at the, the, the board of the Railroad Museum to go, what are you calling people to do? What do you want them to gain? What do you want in their hearts? If you're going to put up a, 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 a and again, and I have a hard time saying the satanic Christmas tree, but that's the phraseology that we're going to use. You want to celebrate Satan? You want kids to celebrate Satan as they come look at trains? What is wrong with you? What, what, yeah, what do you, you hope we- them to gain? from Satan? What kind of community members do you want them to be if they celebrate Satan, like you are trying to get them to do by putting up this Satan tree? What about turning it back on them? Who are these weirdos? Who are these weirdos on the board who think it's appropriate to put a satanic Christmas tree in a railroad museum during Christmas um, where they're going to play the Polar Express and bring kids in? Um, I hope no parents go in there. I hope every donor pulls their money. I hope every member of that board is shamed. And I hope all of us take this as a lesson about there is, as my friend Christy Setzman says, and we're going to have her on to talk about the book, there is a spiritual cost to political silence. When there is something that happens to you as a Christian, as a human, when you don't stand up for the children, when you don't stand up for our culture, something happens to your own soul in that. It happens slowly, right? They try to do it under the radar. Like we're going to, we're going to bring in a, a Satan tree at Christmas. No, no, first it starts, Sean, with we're not going to allow the nativity scene to be shown. Sure. Well, we're going to change Christmas concerts to yeah. holiday concerts, winter concerts and winter concerts. But, but this happens, and they want to keep it under the radar as they as they try to normalize it in a society. And we've seen that. And this is like now they're not even they're not even hiding. Well, no, now it's like. Yeah, yeah, we want a satanic Christmas tree. But I mean, they, but, that's not even something you would even think of 10, 15 years ago. They don't, they don't want people talking about it. They want it to happen. And they want to get some yeah. cover from the local newspaper. That's why I'm proud of Mike Gallagher to go, you know what? Good on Mike. This Gallagher. should be covered. And people around the country should express their outrage, as well as people in Green Bay, Wisconsin, express their outrage to this museum. And it's leaders like Mike that'll see this happening in their community and try to rally forces to go, you know what, more people should speak out about this. And I think because he told that story, because he brought it to the national press, I do think uh, that this museum is under far more pressure. These conservatives in Green Bay are well aware of it and voicing their objection, which is a positive. So, so clap for you, Mike Gallagher, for- Good for you, Mike Gallagher, for bringing it. Good for you, Sean, for, for talking about it on uh, Sunday Morning Futures when you filled in for Maria this past weekend. 
uh, you know, there, there's a lot of stories to cover, right? The border, the economy, the, 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 the hostages came in. But these stories in little small town Wisconsin, they do matter because ultimately that's where people live. That's where families are are dealing with this on a daily basis. And 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 this is our own culture and we have to protect it. Not to steal Chevy's line, but these small towns are the heartbeat of America. They, yeah. they make us they make us what we are and we can't cede them to the left. So listen. To the to the Satanists, not even the left, to the Satanists. Well, those two are the same sometimes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes um, they are. Uh, well, listen, uh, I love this, com- I love the conversation. I, and again, I want to thank you. Rachel put together a wonderful Thanksgiving uh, she is the heartbeat of our family making But you these saved things. the turkey. I did save the parchment. turkey. That, that's my new way of I, doing I, it. I, Don't I, tell I, the Macklemore. So I do love my fryer and I do use it. Um, but the master, the master built, and uh, fryer, fryer and the master built, the uh, smoker. smoker. Both are, both are great, but I, Your ribs I want are the, the best. I there. want the drippings. And so, but we had a great Christmas at Thanksgiving. Rachel made that happen. I'm grateful for that. Um, I did make the turkey happen, no doubt. And so we hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving as we now prepare to, go into the Christmas uh, season. And again, I think it's important that we think about the meaning of the holiday and instilling that in our kids as opposed to the the commercialization of uh, a very meaningful uh, Christian holiday. And all of our Christian traditions. Yeah. Amen to that. All right. Listen, thank you all for joining us at our podcast. Uh, if you like our podcast, you can rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You can always find us at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, please subscribe. We drop Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So start your week off. You know, Mondays and Tuesdays can be a little rough, but as you come into Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, share it with us. Uh, we would uh, always uh, love that. Until next time, you guys have a good day. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on the Amazon Music app.